Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr. Uh, got my co-host, Bob the Bowhunter Borland. What up, Bob? Oh, just, here we are at the big bow class. couple hooligans here. Yep. We're out at uh, Jefferson, Oregon. Staten. Staten. <laughs> that too. Stone right, throw. Right, uh, stone throw. Uh, out here in Staten, Oregon at the home of Echo Archery. Um, we got our boy. Andy Ponce, Addictive Archery, and uh, yeah, we're just, uh, I'm, I'm here with my cousin, uh, Ryan Havens from California, and we're uh, building some self-bows. Yeah, yep. we, we would have Ryan on here, but we're out of headsets, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's making sure all the headsets yeah. work. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, so the class has been, um, I'm on day two, and stave number two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's been good, and, and me and Ryan have been putting in a little extra time. Uh, like the, there's five of us in the class, and when uh, the other students go home, me and Ryan just stayed up till midnight trying to catch up. <laughs> guys are the slow kids in class. Yeah, and you're camped out in the front yard, so yeah, and we're yeah we got the wall tent in the front yard. That makes it a little easier because we're we're camping uh, on scene. Keeping. <laughs> Keeping the teacher up uh, several hours past bedtime. Way past bedtime. <laughs> and Andy, you took this class in October? Yes. Yep. 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 So, yeah, it's uh, it a four-day class here at Echo Archery. Um, we got a choice between some uh, U-Wood staves and uh, Osage. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I picked the stave that was talking to me, but it wasn't <laughs> saying the right things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a tough stay. Uh, chasing the ring's tough, you know. It's uh, there's a reason people refer to it as a you know kind of a rite of passage in, in uh, making your Osage bow. But uh, so tell us a little bit about challenges. Tell us a little bit about the class. How long you've been doing it? How how it goes down? Give us a little. Yeah, yeah. How so often you do one? All sure, that. What's sure. included with your class? Um, well, the it's a four day class. I do about five of them. I, I last year I did five of them. Uh, four or five a year is what I'm doing now. So, um, yep. The focus of the class is to learn how to build a self bow. Uh, most folks end up with a hunt worthy self bow at the end of the class, but the focus is on how to learning how to make a self bow. So I have students from all. All different backgrounds, all different interests and intentions of making a self bow. Some are, you know, they, they want to make a hunting bow and they may, maybe have never hunted before. Some have hunted and, and killed all sorts of animals with all sorts of different weapons. They want to try a self bow out. Uh, so um, I, I just try and guide the students towards a uh, solid hunting bow, but really focusing not just on that end product, but really, you know, learning how to make a self bow sharing some of the little tricks and things that uh, help you succeed when you're on your own trying to make that uh, next bow. So, And how, how long have you been building self-bows? I got the itch in 2010. I'd been um, into archery for a long time, 
and had always seen so I had seen John Strunk's bows for a while and I they're just beautiful works of art but I didn't know anybody who was actually out there hunting with that equipment and then I got a little bit more and more exposed to it here and there you know you just hear like you know you see like a picture of Bert Shiler you know with the send you back to ash uh mere heath bow and, and you start seeing that stuff you're like okay these can actually it's it's so funny that a lot of people are like that can't kill anything you know it's like how only reason we're all here right now <laughs> talking about is because our ancestors were putting down animals left and right with wood bows so uh it's kind of funny that that i had too had that uh misconception that they're not quite hunt worthy you know uh, these these wood bows and uh, so i had exposure to john strunk's bows but i didn't know anybody hunted with them and i thought that'd be fun to try one out and i just the first one I made was just this junky little vine maple thing, and I didn't know what I was doing. I just, you know, a, a pocket knife in an afternoon, just carving out this stave and trying to get it bent, and and uh, it, it flung an arrow barely, but I was like stoked, you know. I could see that promise yeah, you, of like making a bow that could actually. You pulled that out. bow out today and showed it to us, and a couple of your uh, couple of your students, their eyes got big. They're like, "Okay, that's that's your first bow." <laughs> They give you guys something to aspire to. Yeah, they weren't impressed. <laughs> it was. It's a pretty hacked little <laughs> stick of vine maple. It's bad. It's uh, it's fun to look back at that. Now one. I heard them say something about you had bow of the year. Um, is that a primitive archery thing or? Yeah. So there's a primitive archery magazine. It's not as it's you know it's not like traditional bow hunter magazine. Uh, it's uh it, you know it's a it's a smaller magazine but it was on the shelves at a few different grocery stores back when I was first kind of oh, I check it out all the time and yeah. so I picked it up and there was an article in there about glass buttes and I'm like oh cool that's Oregon I was down in Texas at the time it's like oh you know that's going on in my home state that sounds awesome I'll check that out guys going over to glass buttes and making obsidian arrowheads and you learn from these masters over there and uh so i was like that's really cool and on the cover of this thing was a painting of these dudes like going after a mammoth with bows and arrows and spears and adelals i'm like what magazine is this is yeah awesome. i remember that issue so yeah. it's, 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 there's a couple of really neat things in that issue i can't remember the there's another article that was like i had some connections to maybe it was john strunk or something but uh i saw these uh the bow of the month in there you know and there's this like ripped dude from hawaii who's like got this palm bow that's just like i'm like what that looks awesome and and so i just was you know that just helped plant the seed and then later on when i was getting into bow making and looking for resources of course i went online and found uh, this primitive archer uh, online forum and uh it was a huge resource for me it's still pretty active it's one of those you know there's it's one of those forums where you can go online and post a question about, you know, your specific issue, you know, in, in, in bow making in this case. And, and you get replies, like, right away. Like, later that day, you can log back in. And there's, like, 12 different people who have, you know, more experience than you have shared their their uh, experience and insights with you. And so you it, it really accelerated my learning. Um, and uh, they, they have a thing on there, this Bow of the Month contest. And so I was always entering my, you know, as I finished bows, I'd, I'd enter them. And, you know, you'd check in like, oh, man, did anybody vote on my bow? And uh, the first couple of ones I entered in that were not very impressive. And uh, then I learned to throw some salmon skins on there or, or some snake skins and really dress them up and, and you know, make some uh, some eye catcher bows. And, and that uh, helped in uh, scoring some votes. But, uh yeah, so you got a bow of the month, uh, like 2013 in there, or, or yeah. So if you get bow of the month, then at the end of the year, there's 12 bows that go up for uh, bow of the year, and, and we got bow of the year that uh, 2013, I think. So, and now was that your bow with the double scoop out that I love, or 
No, that was, uh, I don't have that bow with me anymore. I gave it to a, a buddy of mine. Uh, it had these little Grumley style uh, brush knocks on it. It was okay. a short, stout Osage, been through the handle, uh, recurve, and okay. shot my first mule deer with that. That was uh, so a sweet little bow. So maybe touch bases. Here in Oregon, we've got the we've got access to the the U wood, mm-hmm. and um, Osage is is it from the south? Or? Uh, it, I get a lot of my Osage it, it, from the Midwest generally. Midwest um, historically, you know, is from a smaller area in Texarkana region, but uh, but uh, yeah, so we have U wood locally, vine maple. There's a lot of. Uh, my dog's being a pest right now. Sadie, she's, she's a little come pup. on, girl, get down. Uh, just just ignore. <laughs> she's almost finished. She'll be done in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, just, just Mississippi leg hound. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So about bow woods, uh, you know, in the class, I try to offer uh, you wood and and Osage. Uh, I, I try and lay some really nice staves out on the table and, and then some with some character too for those that want to really take that challenge on, making a character bow. Um, I end up making a lot of bows out of Osage, I, and I buy and have that have that shipped out here, uh, and I joke around that I can't afford to make a bow out of you would. Uh, <laughs> from a business standpoint, I, I mean, I, it just I end up selling the nicer staves. Uh, they go all over the world, and, uh, and, and I can't hardly justify... Uh, making a bow myself out of one when when I got to feed the kids so uh but Osage is is there's a lot of things to love about Osage it's just an extremely durable tough wood and uh it's very forgiving when it comes to you know the the tillering aspect of making a bow so if you really want to learn how to make a bow well and master tillering you know pick up some ash or you know some of these white woods you know they're they're uh you got to tiller them real well and uh but osage seems to let you get away with a little bit more and that's that's what really shines in the bow class i I do try and steer folks towards osage for that reason yeah i think if you really want to try like a self bow that actually is going to shoot you might want to come take this class that's what i think so uh in the in the class we've got you run five or six students we've got five guys in the class i think someone broke their leg and couldn't attend and so we're doing five guys yeah yeah we're down yeah five guys we've got a uh a uh, guy named Mike, who's actually going from the compound bow straight to the self bow. I I've got his first elk this fall. Yeah, and uh, wants to try trad, and he thought, well, why don't I make my own? Yeah, so I'm, I'm rooting for him. Uh, he, what a stud! He's got a solid bow coming along. I yeah, think he does. He's yeah. pretty dialed in. Yeah, he seemed to have picked it up pretty quick. Yeah, he listens real well. Yeah, unlike some uh, of the students, right? <laughs> Maybe it's that engineering background. Well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we've got uh, we've got another guy that's built like a handful of self bows already, and he's just come to refresh his skills and learn some new stuff. Yeah, and yeah, the little older Mitch. gentleman, Mitch. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's Had a pretty cool. awesome story about uh, shooting a jackrabbit. Or he got it. Shot a jackrabbit with one of the self bows, and, and his arrow. He's trying to scare it out of the bush with one of his arrows so his kid could get a shot at it. So he sends this arrow and tries to send it a little high in this bush. This jackrabbit comes running out with an arrow between through both ears. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck in his ears. Uh, anyway, it, it, uh, and John. John's got a pretty amazing uh, One story. in the ears better than two in the bush, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> two in the ears, one in the bush. Yeah. 
and, uh, and then yeah, John, uh, he's he's like super into it. He's trying to build like a U ishy bow. He and wants a short blind bow for turkey hunting. It sounds like right. he's got a pretty good turkey setup over there where he's at. A little, he's got a blind where they come right by. And yeah. He almost got his little 10-year-old daughter shot at one. Yeah. Uh, any, anything you recommend, he's he's all into it. He's like, he, he wants to yeah. go the primitive style. So when we started talking about short bows for a blind, I said something about like an ishy style, kind of, you know, like just a simple slat, you know, real primitive bow. And, and we looked at some illustrations from Steve Alley and Jim Ham's book and uh, – he was all about it, so that was kind of cool. Because I, I like making those kind of bows and seeing those kind of bows and and just figuring out how they work. And so that was cool that he took that on and uh, it's shaping up pretty nicely. But but he it was really cool. He uh, he told me the first morning. He said I might have to step out for a phone call around noon. You know, it's really important. I was like, oh yeah, no worries. It's not <laughs> it's not that structured in here. <laughs> uh, and and uh, then he came back in after lunch, and he just got word from Hollywood that they're going to turn his book that's coming out he's got a book coming yeah, out he's a west, west he's a western novel western novelist and he's got a few books published published and he's got a new book coming out and uh hollywood somehow some agent or something had had shopped it around and uh they, they want to make a movie and it sounds like a really good plot and it's pretty neat they basically told him hey yeah, yeah. we want to do it so he's yeah. pretty stoked sweet yeah yeah, yeah. and cool. it's about like if, it's about a guy like i think it's turn of the century like 1800s and he uh some like a little homestead and pa passes away oh brother takes off to be an outlaw pa passes away and then the sister joins a posse to go looking for yeah, she's her tracking down her brother tracking down her brother dressed as a dude dressed as a dude as a guy yeah hooks finds her brother's gang quits the posse joins up with her brother's gang and she's like uh, swift with the with the handgun. Yeah, better than her brother. Better than her brother. And uh, whiskey when we're dry. Whiskey comes when out in August. You can whis- pre-order right now. Online. Yeah, whiskey <laughs> when you're dry is when <laughs> the book comes out. It sounds awesome. It, it does. It's he, cool. Yeah, he, even yeah. It's a heck so. of a name. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It. So yeah. it's pretty cool. That's yeah, a great class. So you took the class back in October, right, Andy? I did. Yeah. yeah. And um, y- you had some pretty cool dudes in your class too and tell us a little bit about your experience taking the class <laughs> yeah it was a good time uh i actually hit it off right away with another guy named andy who was a retired fireman <laughs> so we had a lot of things in common uh let's see we had a full class then right we had yeah, six it, and then uh one gentleman had to quit like two days into it yep yeah local guy going on had uh Take off. Goldberg is actually inherited his uh, his, his stave. That, that stave. That oh, started. nice. Yeah, nice. I start. I started off with one stave, and uh, she just wasn't meant for me. And <laughs> and now I've got Goldberg's stave. <laughs> nice. uh, she he he gave it up, and and uh, for some reason it was uh, meant to be mine. Now it's going to be an elk killing son of a. Yeah, it's on. It's it's got all the potential. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that bow you built in your class in October. Yeah. You. Uh, you went killed a whitetail with it. I did, uh, yeah. I, it, uh, and that was my plan all along. And I, I actually uh, filmed myself making that class or making that bow during that class. Yeah. And it's a work in progress. I haven't finished the film yet, but uh, made that bow and then uh, went over to uh, whitetail camp with Carson and Clay and and uh, got a nice little buck. So, yeah, that's um, it's a good transition. 
we can get back into the self-boat class, but you guys uh, all shared a uh, camp in the late season hunting whitetails. Um, it was a hunt that, you know, we, we've, we've kind of, we've talked about it uh, a little bit when we had Trent on the podcast and um, you guys had Trent Wanger from uh, Wanger Bows and uh, Clay Hayes and Benji Hill who we just had on the podcast, episode 30. That guy's a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, Carson, um, you guys were all in camp together. It sounds like a hoot. I was unable to attend. It was a blast. Attend. It was fun. Yeah, why don't we dive into that a little bit? Um, would you guys, were you guys there for what? Ten eight, days. Ten, ten, ten days, huh? Ten, ten days. days. Two days yeah. of travel, but yeah. Yeah. Made it to camp in one day. We left early from here, and so that yeah. was probably one of the funnest hunting trips I've been on. Yeah, you guys set up a couple wall tents, yep. and um, did you guys have snow right at the gate, or did it eventually snowed, or? There was snow on the ground, uh, and the higher you went up in the mountains, it was more, you know, it got more, but uh, it was actually cold and dry and clear skies. Yeah, most for until first days. Until the night Andy <laughs> yeah. shot his buck. Yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. And then we it all dumped. convinced him, we're like, let's come back in the morning you he wasn't sure on the shot he ended up hitting it perfect but yeah but we're like it's cold there's no reason to risk it you know it's yeah. getting down it'll be frozen in the morning so is it gonna snow we're like no way you know yeah. having our drink no way it's gonna <laughs> snow. Uh. and uh we wake up the next morning like four inches of snow we're like yeah oh, we were all just sick to our everybody stomach. packed up and headed up there yeah. yeah that that was that's the nice thing about when you have a camp like that and you got good friends in in camp everybody's sacrifice their morning hunt and help me go recover that buck yeah and you and, uh, a beautiful buck with us yeah. with your first self-bow kill I yep. mean, that's just so awesome yeah that uh that's actually my first deer with traditional gear i've i've uh, i've got a couple elk but or a and an elk with traditional gear but that was my first deer yeah that's awesome <laughs> that was fun yeah that's yeah. super cool and you shot him out of a stand i did i did uh we met uh, an old timer up there by the name of EJ, who actually showed me where to set up that stand. He he kind of Robert and I met him probably four or five days before that, and we just hit and it off. He was yeah. from it was the day I killed my buck. We yeah. were he's from we Alaska. Were just checking out some new area. We drug my buck right. out. We hopped in the rig, and and we were checking out some new area. And we drove by. You know, we had to pull off the road in a little bit of snow, and he'd come by, and I I saw he was an old timer, and it, so I rolled down my window. You know, that's the universal. You know, redneck, you want to talk, so yeah. all out in the <laughs> woods. And and so he kind of, you know, and then and I saw he had a recurve sitting in there. So so I started talking, and he didn't talk much. And then and then he told me he was hunting out of a tree stand. And I'm like, I remember I looked over at Andy. I'm like, this guy's, you know, he's 75 years yeah. old. He's yep. up there by yep. himself hunting out of tree stands and a self-climber at that. So yep. I'm like, I got to see it. So anyway, we hit it off. He was just He awesome. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. and. He was kind of our guide after that. He was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was. I he, remember. Uh, I remember. And he, he gave me hell for, for shooting a spike. I just yeah. Had a little yeah spike don't shoot the, the little ones. They don't get big that way. <laughs> yeah. But you drew, you drew blood first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that was the third yeah, day or something. Robert didn't waste any time. And, uh, and so he took us. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, he kind of took Andy under his wing. He's kind of like he did. his boy. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. He yeah, showed me he, all his spots, and he actually took me the day before where it, and uh, told me, hey, you, you got to come with me. And we went on this little walk, and I remember he goes, get, get your bow. And so I grabbed my bow, and I was like, well, aren't you going to get yours? He goes, no, if we see one, I want you to shoot it. So he was, like, guiding me down this road, you know, and, and so we get this old skid road, 
and uh, there was some other guys hunting that area, and he goes, hey, they, they set their tree stand up in the wrong spot. And he says, uh, come with me, and he took me to this spot. Sure enough, pinch point, there was just this major deer trail going through there, and he goes, I'd set it up right in that tree. I'm like, all right, and he goes, here, there's another one. So we, we finished the hike, go around, and we must have seen 50 deer during that little hike. <laughs> and he took me around to the other spot where I ended up sending Trent up that next morning. And he goes, this is a this is the next best spot where I'd set up. That's so awesome. I gave Trent the option. Hey, which one do you want? He he picked the second <laughs> best one. I, of course, I didn't tell him that part. Sure, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I set up and had two does come in on me as I was setting up my tree stand. I hadn't set those up all that much, so it took me a little while. It probably took me a half hour to get up. Sure. The and, tree, you, and you're using the fixed stand, with yep, the, lone the lone wolf, wolf with assault, the sticks. Yep, with yeah. the, with the uh, climbing sticks and. Uh, so we spoke th- spooked those two as I was setting up, got up in my stand, got got all situated, and had a uh, doe and a small fawn come in. And uh, they came right to my tree and was looking at my pack that I had at the base of the tree. You, did, I didn't you left the tr- your but pack honestly, at the base of the tree, yeah, too. But I think, that, I think that helped because they come and they would look at that, and they were looking at the pack trying to figure out what that was. And I could move up in the stand. They'd glance up and look at me, but then they'd go back down and what, trying to figure out what the pack was. Yeah, they knew they could smell your pack. Well, but they were, yeah. at that, they were six yards below me, Yeah, right. you know, and I mean, I was standing right on top of them, and uh, I just kind of watched her. I got her on film. I had my GoPro that day, and uh, I wasn't going to shoot her. The fawn was really small. I mean, she was about the size of a black lab, you know, just a little bit bigger than Sadie, so I let her go, and uh, she walked by, had a couple other does come in, and they, they went by at about 40, 45 yards, just out of range, and uh, and then... Saw this another little deer coming up. I thought, ah, it's kind of small. You know, I, I had my bow in my hand, had an arrow knocked. I was just kind of watching it and couldn't see its head. I just saw its body come walking around the tree. And all of a sudden I got to look at it and it was a spike by fork. I thought, oh, it's getting an arrow. It's it's a point bigger than Robert's. <laughs> <laughs> so he come in and he was, same thing. He saw my pack and was looking, staring at that thing and, it was about six yards. Yeah, I'd recommend taking your pack up into the tree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, but it got him to stop. I mean, he was just standing there looking at it, and I had a pretty good angle on him. And, and uh, although you look at the GoPro video, it looks like a terrible shot angle. Sure, but, but it, it, it was a lot better there in person, so I drew back. And I remember Robert telling me, if you shoot him straight from the top, you got to get an exit because they, you know, they fill up a blood, in it, but they don't bleed on the ground. You won't ever find them. And so I pulled that self bow all the way back, I think, all the way to my ear, trying to get a little extra. I shot right over top of him. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't so, meant to be no 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 so he went and um i had like three or four other deer go by the stand all day none of them would give me a shot and i it was by about one o'clock and uh the wind started to pick up and stuff so i got cold and i put my hood over and bundled up real good and all the deer before that i could hear walking so i, was, I could kind of prep before they they got into range and since I was all bundled up, I'm kind of just sitting there. All of a sudden, I catch the movement. I corner my eye, and this buck's on top of me. And uh, same thing. He walked in, looked at my pack, and he was uh, he was about <laughs> I'd say about six yards. He was standing right next to where that first little buck was that I missed. And uh, so I stood up, and because he was looking at my pack, I could move, and I got my bow off the hook. And he looked up at me and watched me for a little bit, and I just kind of froze. And uh, and then he looked down at my pack again, so I was able to bring my bow down and knock an arrow. And when I pulled my arrow out of the quiver, 
the broadhead made a little hissing sound when it came out of the foam. And so that made him nervous, and he kind of jumped back a little bit, and he was kind of looking around, and he looked back at my bag trying to figure out what that was, and I was able to knock an arrow. And then he started to walk away, and so I started to rotate with him just a little bit, and he stopped for a second to look back at my bag, and I was already at full draw at that time. And when I let go, he whirled. And uh, my my uh, my shot, I thought, was far back. I thought I shot him right in the guts. But... Um, what I did end up happening is he had whirled so much. I had actually, I did hit him in the gut, but I went all the way up through the gut and got the liver and lung, and I exited right behind his far shoulder, um, right where I'd want to exit, actually. Yeah, he yeah. probably got it all. Yeah. He yeah. whirled after you hit him or as you hit him. As whatever, I hit him. Because that's the and same stuff. thing with And mine. so I, uh, I stayed up in the stand till I think, 3 or 3.30, and uh, I sent a, with my inReach, I sent a message to, to Bob here, let him know that I'd shot one, but it might be a little bit back. And so I got down out of and the stand. And what did I tell you? What did I tell you? When you sent that message? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I said, leave it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave it. Okay, let's leave remember it. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave it, leave it. Okay, so All right. I get All right. down, and I was like, well, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I went over to where he was standing. I mean, he was, he was, I don't know, maybe 18 yards. I went over there, and sure enough, I had gut, and I, and I knew that, but within about 10 feet, I had blood. And I had seen him run where he went, and then I saw where he crossed that old skid road and went up the up the ridge. So I walked over there, and I had good blood there, real good blood. And I could actually look up the ridge, and I could see where the blood was going. So I was like, well, screw it. I got good blood. <laughs> I'm going to track him for a little bit because <laughs> that ridge was nice and open. So I walked and walked, and, and uh, I was able to follow the blood trail until he got into this thicket, and it, goes, it got pretty thick. And so... I trailed him in there for about 40 yards, and then I saw it started to peter out, and I thought, ah, then I remember what you said. (laughs) (laughs) How convenient. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah. So then I backed back out, you know, and I never bumped him, never bumped him at all. And uh, Luckily. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hiked back out, and I I talked to to Bob. I was like, oh, I I got good blood and everything. And so I was like, well, we'll we'll get it in the morning. (laughs) And we had a little bit of clouds, and he goes, oh, no, it'll be fine. It ain't going to snow. It ain't going to snow. <laughs> Sleepless Snowed night. A bit. You know, that's never the way you want it to happen. And it was clear never. the whole trip. And the weather, it wasn't supposed to snow that day either. No. We, we no. checked. We checked yeah, on the, the way, way back. Uh, we checked because we got cell phone service up at the very top there as we were heading back mm-hmm. to camp. So we stopped and checked the weather and would call home to keep ourselves out of trouble and stuff. And it just dumped. It Yeah. Yeah, we woke up the next morning. It snowed like four. I, I got up about four in the morning, you know, to go to the bathroom. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So we got up there right at first light. And like I said, he, that's the nice thing about being in a big group like that. Everybody went in and chipped in helped out. There was uh, six of us up there. Yeah. Yeah. Something like five, that. Five of us. Can't count that high. But yeah. Five, <laughs> five yeah, of us up there. Five I, I can't count that high with my shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. We were all pretty somber. The Yeah. You yeah. know. Going up there, you're like, ah, man. Nothing you know. really to go on, but a no. Yeah. Clay did. Old hound dog Clay did find some blood. He, he called dug me up over. The snow. Yeah, and he was like, oh, he was right here. So we f- we had a little bit of a trail, and we all said, hey, if you if you find something, crow call. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we heard it was mostly yeah, because we all yeah, right? I, we I, all I, fanned out. We sent Trent and Carson up high. Up on top. Clay kind of went on the tracks. I went kind of down low, and then you were in the middle. Yeah. And uh, we were just kind of fanning out because it got super thick in there. And 
just kind of checking by the big trees. At yeah, least just that's looking what I was for a place where, you know, any place where it looked like a deer might yeah. lay down and just working that side hill. And right. And I knew I he took my arrow. I knew yeah. my arrow was still in him because when I saw him run off, my arrow was still there. I never found it the whole time. And so that's I looked it. down the base of that tree and saw your arrow sticking up. Right. And What's it, the? I could have easily looked right past that if that arrow wasn't in him because he had a little bit of snow on top. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was pretty. Another reason why you really brighten up your my, yeah. my arrow. Bright was, yellow fletching. Yep, yellow with uh, with red, and I had split the crown and spliced the feathers and stuff, Andy's, so it Andy's stunned out like sore Andy's quiver looks like a Skittles bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, uh, was, it's for good reason. And, yeah. and your bow um, was uh, Osage? Yep, I made an Osage self-bow here. It was uh, 66 yep. or 68 inches yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. We reflex the tips. I draw a uh, true 29 inches, and... Uh, so Carson showed me how to get it back all the way to 29 with, you know, the design and help me tiller it out and stuff. And honestly, it shoots um, just as good as all my other bows, and I, I shoot it pretty well. All your it, laminated bows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's got, re, it's got uh, recurve tips on it. Correct. And uh, a recurve type set grip yep. on it. And uh, I kind of copied my uh, the handle kind of off of Trent's bow because I, I shoot the, the wingered uh, recurve. I want shoot one of Trent's bows this last the year. The Ibex. The Ibex, yep. Yep. yep, and uh, that guy makes some solid bows, dude. I I got to shoot one of his uh, longbows there, and just yeah, yeah I got sweet. one on order. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I kind of I kind of copied. It's not what you'd normally find on a self bow. <laughs> are, no, are you no, getting Are you getting the tar one piece or the three piece? Three piece, three piece, awesome. Three piece, and yeah. he's gonna carve my uh, my broadhead logo into the. Yeah, that's awesome. So I can't wait to see that. But yeah, uh, awesome. honestly, that self bow, I I shot it well enough there that I was very confident in yeah. shooting. And shooting and stuff, and we would practice. That was the cool thing about that camp. You know, it gets dark about five, so usually everybody's back about five thirty, six o'clock in camp. We're making dinner, and we were putting on our headlamps and flashlights, taking lantern out there, and we were shooting our bows at night. You know, to stay tuned up totally. out there. We had a target out there and stuff. And yeah, um, yeah but final that buck only went one hundred and fifty yards. If that, yeah, I, yeah, from where I I left. He probably only went another thirty. He yeah, was de- he was dead was that a, night. Yeah, I mean, it was he, a good was shot. A he was shot. dead yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, he might have been dead when you were out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was. Yeah. Well, and, or, and you Trent, bu- or you would have bumped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, like I said, Trent was over in the second best spot. <laughs> yeah, and he, <laughs> and he said, heard him crash. Yeah, he said right after you know about the same time he yeah. heard some crashing down in that right, right where we. Yeah. Yep, and, and so and then Robert. You shot a buck on the ground that ran over and died under Andy when Andy yeah. was in yeah. the tree stand. <laughs> that's yes, true. that's right. I was up in my tree stand, and I'm about ready to get down because I am freezing. Yeah, there's a cold side of the mountain where yeah. the sun never hits. Yes. That's what EJ called the cold side. It was, what, 8 that morning or something? Yeah. So that's the north-facing slope? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, right. so it was cold. cold. And yeah. I it, that was the first time I had set up that tree stand, so I had a goal of getting up in the tree stand. Yeah. <laughs> I got up there, but... Uh, it was so cold, and then I heard that buck run right to me, Robert's buck, and uh, cough, and uh, I had to sit up there for about another half hour because I didn't want to be that guy that bumped his, his deer, <laughs> and uh, I think I got a little frostbite on that one. <laughs> That's awesome. So six guys in camp, mm-hmm. and uh, four deer were taken. I know Clay Hayes shot a nice big fat doe mm-hmm. on the ground, and Robert, you were out doing a little filming. Did you film that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. After I killed my buck, I spent two days filming Clay, and uh, the second day he he shot that doe, so it was pretty cool. I'm sure he'll be putting out some YouTube videos on that. Got some some I don't know. I'm not a cameraman by any means, but he babysat me and and the day before, actually, the, I think the best footage is going to be he missed a doe 
the the footage is just sweet. You'll see. Yeah, it's, that was uh, awesome. He's a stud, man. He's a mountain goat, and he stood up on this rock all day. And uh, finally, this doe came by. But uh, yeah, it was fun, man, hiking around up there. And then uh, yeah. Now, did EJ? Did he end up killing anything? Uh, he was still hunting when we well, left, yeah. so yeah. I don't yeah. know. Um, he was. Not for lack of trying or opportunity. He no. He, he shows us pictures. He passes yeah, up. He doesn't he, shoot the little ones. Yeah. Anymore. He's he says he's killed every deer <laughs> species several time over. So he's picky. Yeah. yeah except uh, for I know he's looking to get a Columbia whitetail yeah, in his belt. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's, that's, that's yeah. He yeah. was asking us about that. But uh, uh, yeah, he showed us pictures of the bucks that he would pass up, and I'm like, oh, that would. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. even hesitate yeah. on that one. <laughs> we, we've got a little subspecies of whitetails here in Oregon, uh, known as the Columbian whitetail, and I'd heard he's yeah hoping to you know like that's the last one he needs or whatever or wants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're kind of just like a little white tail, kind of like a the guy had some awesome cow steer stories. Oh man, yeah, yeah. He just sounds like a stud. I hope we can get him on. Yeah, the, we're on gonna the try. Show. He's yeah. he was going down to Arizona hunting for the whatever the month, and then he's we gave him his number or our number, and yeah. we have his number. We have so his home gonna, number. We're gonna try to meet up with him so, when yeah. he comes back through town here. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We so, told him to give us a call. We take him out to breakfast, so hopefully he remembers that, and we'll get to hear his Arizona <laughs> story. So if you guys <laughs> have listened to the a um, uh, couple episodes back, we had Trent Wanger, and he talked about his time in camp, and so we kind of covered that, so we don't have to cover that. And then we had uh, Benji Hill on here, and he uh, shared stories from that uh, that camp also, which was awesome. So if you guys haven't heard that episode, go back and check that out. Uh, Carson... Uh, he was uh, with Benji. I uh, was it four, four, four deer, six guys. So we know Carson didn't. I, uh, I did not film with dad. But it wasn't uh, for lack of trying, right? No, no. I, I, uh, I got out there. I covered some ground, and uh, I was just having a, a lot of fun uh, trying to get one from the ground, playing that ground game, which is tough. I had a few different situations where I, I, you know, it just. Uh, Almost worked out perfect, but it was uh, I ended up just uh, you know right on top of me and and couldn't get that bow back without them busting. You did some uh, tracking too, didn't you? Tracking? Were, did, were you tracking some deer in the snow or? Oh, there are deer track everywhere. Yeah. I you know I come across a, a yeah. you know good sized track and I'd slow down and and uh, start start following that track, but you didn't have to go very far over there to get into deer. So no, I was Carson just hunting pretty right much up out of camp. Yeah, he hunted the same. Yep. Noel. Did you guys uh, the first couple of days I didn't get that far from camp. I would just pop right up out of camp and there was this real the south facing uh yeah, grassy knoll covered with these rose bushes and there was always does in that. Like so I would just and the the road coming up there I'd usually bump into deer right there. So I would still hunt my way up there and there's a few different times I I almost connected on that road right up out of camp where, you know, does feeding just below the road. But uh the snow was so crunchy it was really tough to move. Um, you just, you just couldn't move up there on the ground without making a sound. And so, um, seeing lots of deer and just, just having trouble closing that gap, getting myself in position. But, uh, I, I'd work, what I do is I'd work across that knoll and I'd end up pushing a few deer back over these little finger ridges towards the north. And then I'd come down around the bottom of those finger ridges and down by the Creek and, and then just bust up that last little knife. Uh, knife edge ridge 
and then start hunting my way back over those finger ridges and I'd have the wind in my favor and they'd be feeding back in there and uh, it's kind of semi open ponderosas and a lot of grass feed and uh, lots of deer in there and I had kind of kind of drove them back in there and then I'd hunt <laughs> back through them and I, I'd, I'd, build, I'd be in them a lot and having lots of close calls but it just so tough for it to come all together there's almost too many deer in those scenarios where you know, I, I'd have this nice big doe feeding right to me, and I'm tucked up behind a ponderosa, and she's going to come by at, like, 10 or less, like, and it's just a matter of time. She's just, you know, tail flicking and just eating away, and right there, and I'm just peeking around watching. And the next thing I know, here's this yearling comes around the backside of the tree and starts blowing. And, you know, there's just it, – it was tough to be in them for very long. There were so many deer. It was just a matter of time before they, they, uh, they bust you. But, uh, yeah, I got into them. I hunted that area a bit, and uh, – crossed over that creek and found a good little creek crossing that I wanted to sit on spent a morning sitting there freezing my butt off but something wasn't right they were they were barking before they even got to my side of the creek I don't know if somehow the wind was being carried over directly across because I was up off the creek bottom a little bit on the trail but anyway um, spent some time on that creek crossing and then i started hunting the next big ridge series uh, some bigger country uh just just on the next side over after i kind of yeah it's pressured steep, that it's little area country, pretty that, hard so that country straight steep, up and down <laughs> it's like sheep country the first yeah. day i went down from camp a couple miles these guys dropped me off and i hunted up i think clay said it's two thousand feet or something from the bottom at the top mm-hmm. i hunted all the way up you know an all-day hunt up around the top and back and and then uh yeah. Then the second day, I went with Andy, where they had gone the first day. We hiked up probably half that or yeah. less. And then we, we got up into there, and we saw a truck parked up there. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what the heck? Let's find where that truck went. So you get our tree stands. we did some exploring <laughs> yeah. and got our tree stands. Because so there was a road that could get you yeah, up there. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we did some blacktail tactics. It, on. Yeah. We, we got did up in the timber. It, and, and, and we got up in the thicker stuff, you know, like that stuff they were hunting, which is, I mean, they got it done. They know what they're doing. But I, didn't, I don't like hunting that stuff that's that open. I like to get in that thick stuff. So that's, we, uh, uh, that's, the, that's the Oregon way. Yeah. Yeah. So we went and got found the thick stuff where we could get close enough. And uh, yeah. It worked out. Yeah, no offense to all you guys out there listening, but I think uh, Oregon puts out some pretty good hunters. We, uh, the guys that are chasing blacktails and Roosevelts in this thick jungle, uh, you leave the jungle and it just seems like everything gets a little bit easier. Yeah, but that open country, like I said, it's a whole uh, new world. Yeah, I was going to say, we looked for the trees just because you couldn't get close to them. They yeah. Were, they yeah. Were yeah. I mean, spooking the, the and bumping to, them at 60, 80 yards. <laughs> you don't stand a chance. Yeah. 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 The yeah. way to get them is from... Uh, from a tree or a real good ground cover ground, yep. ground yeah. set. But yeah. uh, almost, I almost connected on a, I mean, it was like, oh, man, here I am spot and stock mule deer hunting. You know, I came, yeah. came up to my little edge of my knoll up there one day and uh, started glass. And there's there's quite a few deer out milling around late morning. And uh, I, it's the first time I'd seen a nice buck in this area. It's mostly does right there just up out of camp. Here's this nice four point over there, and uh, he's got only got one doe with him. I'm like, oh, this is doable. And they're feeding their way around this one little finger ridge. It's kind of bouldered, uh, real steep. It's just above the highway off where we're camping. And uh, and it worked out to where I could work my way around this little basin and get above them. And there's these just tight little series of these little finger ridges, bouldered ridges straight down. And it was really good setup to to move around, shift around those rocks, kind of drop down one side of the ridge, mm. pop over, peek around, and 
sure enough, boom, there they are. They're like, you know, 65, 70 yards straight down. And I saw the doe first, took me a while to spot him, and finally saw him in the thicket. And uh, I get caught out in the open trying to move down a little bit. All, all of a sudden, that, bed uh, that doe decides to just bed down looking right up at me. And so... <laughs> I'm kind of sitting there doing this, like, you know, a little squat out in the open for the longest time. And finally she shifts around and turns and, and, and uh, gets up out of her bed and, and head goes behind this boulder. And I work down a little closer. And then they're something down below, towards down towards the highway they're curious about, you know, they're, they're uh, concerned about. Keep looking down there. And eventually, for some reason, they, they start coming up towards us. And, and uh, Laura was with me that day, and she's right up above me, just caught out in the open. <laughs> and I, I was able to shift down to a, a good spot, um, had a little bit of cover. Now, did she have a tag? Cover. No, she didn't have a tag. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, but she did a good job of just freezing. I mean, she was just, I don't know how long she sat there in the open, just frozen. And, you know, it took about 30, 40 minutes, but this, this uh, doe and this buck start coming up towards us, and this doe's coming up in the lead and she's coming like right to me i'm like oh man they're gonna come right by you know six seven yard shot you know i've, I've got a pretty good setup right here in the rocks and uh she's coming up and then she stops and he's coming up on her tail and he passes her but he kind of goes up a little bit farther and, and he, he he you know he takes shoot b and now he's you know 15 yards and she's coming up behind him and she finally passes behind a boulder where i can draw and he's now like 25 yards uphill quartered away he stops i draw back i just i just think it just seems like it's magic it's just that arrow just got hard <laughs> shot done this is everything was just working out so well and I let go, and he's gone, and my arrow hits, like, you know, where his feet were, you know. Wouldn't have oh, been you blew it right in front of your girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And she so got she, to see it all. She she couldn't see the buck. I had to shoot, like, over her at but, this buck. But she realized you guys got in, into it, and she just froze and sat there for four Oh, yeah, minutes. she did great. Yeah, yeah. Well, she sounds like a keeper. Yeah. yeah. She said she almost fell asleep. I don't know how. She was, like, doing this, like, yoga position out in the... Wow, that's impressive. Boulder Field. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's a good day. Yeah. That was a good day. Yeah. Did you did you weigh your broadheads when you got back? Were they? <laughs> that went. Did they got a little? I had to resharpen those a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in addition to shooting our bows, we'd have a, a broadhead sharpening uh, <laughs> seminar every evening. Up. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was kind of fun. You sit around the campfire and tell lies and sharpen broadheads. Yeah, you guys <laughs> were probably it was eating, good, eating good in this good camp, camp, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. All of us uh, pitched in cooking. Um, some of these guys can really cook. We definitely didn't gain any or lose any weight, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bob and I kind of cheated. I took my little Honda generator over there, and we wanted to hunt. I so brought the crock. I told them we're bringing the crock yep. rod. I got. I'm gonna make stew and chili. Yep. And we just fired her up and left it, it there worked all day. great. You know, be out hunting all day, and you come back and be a nice hot meal waiting I for think you. Me and Andy almost and got kicked out of camp. We yeah. had like primitive guys, and yep. we showed up with a generator. <laughs> <laughs> And oh. I used a torch to start the wood stove. Oh, yeah, day. yeah. Oh. That was our alarm clock was, was Bob getting up and starting the plumber's torch. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you were uh, shooting a, a, a recurve, not a, not yeah, a cell phone. Yeah, I was shooting so. a laminated bow. I was like, what uh -oh. the these guys are like, uh. You tried with a long bow, though. First I did. Day, I tried right? the first day and a half or whatever with a long bow. The first day I shot up pretty good, and then the second day I just – couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. I was out stump shooting there. Like I gotta go, let's go back to camp and get my bow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we went back actually, and I didn't even shoot. I I got my recurve. So the second day was kind of. Have I told the story of mine on no, there? I don't uh -uh, think so. So no. the second day we went up there, cause, and this is how it went. We hike up 
like a thousand feet. We get to this flat, and we're like, man, this looks. Good. And we just jump a buck, and Andy's like, yeah, they were standing right here yesterday. Like, this would be a great place for a tree stand. And we're like, man, but you'd have to freaking hike all the way up here every day and pack in your tree stand and all your warm clothes. And I mean, it's literally like a thousand feet straight up. And and then we look up and there's a truck like 200 yards away. And we're like, let's find that. So anyway, we had to do some driving around and we didn't know where we were, you know. And, and then that day was the day one of our podcasts was dropping. So I was like, I kind of wanted to check, see if that had yeah. came in. So we, we tried to go up this road by camp, but we'd never been up it. And it was just... It was you know, sketchy at Yeah, first. we got Andy's big Duramax, you know, so it's not really a little beat around the little roads truck. And so we're like, eh, maybe we shouldn't try it. So we went all the way around, and we had cell service. So I was able to make sure everything was good. And then we found this other road that kind of came up the back way, and it was nice and just gradual. And that's when – so the second day we were kind of like – we didn't hunt. We were kind of messing around. We were scouting. Scouting, basically, Trying to figure the second lay day. the land. So the third morning we went up there, found some good, good cuts where they. What do you guys call them down there in Coos County? R- runs or something? What they they buck runs. Buck runs. Yeah, we yeah. found some buck runs. <laughs> yeah, which, which, which is like like elk, like deer track deer trails coming off the side banks. Yeah, crossing yeah, the road. yeah, yeah, yeah. We call them trails. Yeah, we call them trails. They call them yeah. runs. Run. We call rubs rubs. You guys call them hookums. Hookums. Yeah, yeah hook-ems. I love it. I love it. So yeah. anyway, we found some. Uh, some trails on a thick little north facing side. So we, we got in there daylight, you know, like degrees, and told Andy, I was like, You go up and you take this trail and set up, you know, up on that little ridge and I'll go over here on this little ridge. Well I had my climber and everything and but I got in there where I wanted to sit and there's just like no trees. So I used a little top of the seat, you know, for a little tree seat. And I take it off and I sit there. Well, shoot, I only made it like 25 minutes. <laughs> it was cold, man. It was, it was so cold. I was watching this little trail. So then I basically kind of still hunted the rest of the morning. I just, I'd take a couple steps. And I, and I only went, you know, the all morning, a couple hours. I maybe went 100-yard circle. And I was actually back standing right where I had been sitting in my tree seat, watching over that trail. And I just kind of came down through some thick stuff. And I look over and there's... There's this monster spike <laughs> parallel to me. <laughs> and, uh, he's like he's like 15 yards away. He, and he was like Boone and Crockett. Yeah, I, I think was. he was a regressed buck, you know, one yeah, of those. Right. <laughs> and he's coming down, and he's just like right next to me. He's like probably maybe 15 yards away. And he's and he looked at you, and he's like, kill me, Bob. And he's like, I, he's just standing there like feeding along. And then he turns and comes in. There's some brush like right between us and he comes into that brush and i'm like oh no he's gonna come right at me i don't have an aeronaut or anything he's gonna come right at me and bust me and he stops and he's feeding and he's like you know f- probably at one point he's maybe a little further from me and ryan he looked big that far and he's standing there he's chewing on some stuff yeah and then and i wanted him to go back on that trail and go down that trail because if he went down that trail there's like a thick some more thick stuff he go by perfect time to knock an arrow get ready he go past me shoot so just like clockwork, he fed in there a little bit, and then he just turned away, and he hopped onto that little trail, and then he starts walking down the trail. So I was able to knock an arrow. He didn't move or anything. He went down. I let him I let him go past me because I knew how jumpy these things were. And and he was maybe, I don't know, 18, 18 yards yeah. maybe. And I drew back and shot him. And I thought, same thing as Andy. As he hit, those things are so jumpy. Like He kind of, you know, like turned, and I thought I hit him too far forward. I mean, my arrow was perfect. But he was quartering a little bit, and as he, you know, like as he hit, he turned, and I'm like, oh crap! I mean, it was—I knew it was behind the shoulder, but I didn't know 
at what angle the exact pin, you know what I mean? Like I thought it was angling way too far. So that's why I made Andy. We, we waited for like an hour or well, something. Well, we were Even though, frozen. By the time I yeah. got down, we're like, let's get the truck turned on, put the heater on. Because <laughs> yeah. we were, dude, yeah, my teeth we were walked. chattering. I couldn't feel my feet. Yeah. And, uh, and so I thought I heard coughing. He said he heard coughing, but I'm like, dude, I want to make sure. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I had to walk by where I down that trail to get out of there anyway. So I looked around where I'd shot and I didn't see any blood. So that made me nervous too. So we waited like an hour and went back up there. The blood didn't start to like 40 yards, but once it did, it was just everywhere. And he went, he didn't even go 80 yards probably. Well, remember we found the arrow. We found your arrow. Yeah. That's that weird. That was a weird angle. It, it was like stuck sit, in the ground. Yeah. Like, like you would have on a complete pass through, but, but was it just, wasn't. Yeah. It was, it was, it was bizarre. Just the ground. It was a little weird. ways down the trail. Yeah. So yeah. 50 yards down the trail, maybe uh-huh. 40 yards. Stuck in the ground. I must have pulled it out or something, but it was stuck like it had some yeah, force like in it. Yeah, shot, but it didn't. It's just when weird. It left. Yeah. yeah. It made yeah. no sense. Yeah. But yeah, it was dead. Yeah, I was yeah. I was just like chomping at the bit because I was supposed to be on this hunt and I had to stay home and work. And I wanted to just harass these guys. Like, are you guys killing anything yet? <laughs> like, I was re- restraining from texting it. Like, I just... I wasn't hearing, like, uh, from them every once in a while, but I was just like, okay, they got six tags in camp. Like, something. Yes, yeah. you kill something. And, and I was to my wife, I bet, I bet you Bob kills something first. And then all of a sudden, I get a text. I'm like, Bob's on the map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we got we, one down. We didn't have service. And my phone, yeah. I didn't update it or something. And he said, even up top where you had to call from, like, I didn't get service. I, my phone yeah. just was dead. So, so yeah, no service down there in camp. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never, uh, like, been in that situation where I was like, I'm not hunting, but I wish I was hunting. Oh, I mean, I always wish I'm hunting. Yeah. But yeah. I was just, like, <laughs> so bummed that I wasn't on that hunt. And so I was just, like, wanting info, but I was like, I can't bug these guys. They're hunting. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was I was pumped each time I'd f- I would learn uh, that uh, a, a tag had been filled and, you know, whatnot. And I was kind of celebrating for you guys back home and stuff. So it's it's super awesome. And uh, I know there was it, it, a lot of Sherwood shafts being slanked, being uh, used in camp. Yeah, I think actually, the old man, his he was shooting. He, he had some Sherwood yeah. shafts yeah. from Dave Dorn. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So from Archery Past. Really, yeah. uh, they had for a while. Mm-hmm. I guess the only person who should have had Sherwood shafts in his quiver was Benji. Yeah, uh, he was he with River, River Kane. Kane. No, no, he had uh, Rodozer Dogwood, didn't oh, he? Dogwood. Yeah, he had, some, and, and he had some truly primitive arrows. He had like yeah. shoot shafts. Well, like stone I said, by Ryan he, Gill. maybe he should have because his arrows <laughs> <laughs> bounced off. His arrow broke coming out of the uh, out yeah. of the bow and cost him a deer. So did it break coming out of the bow? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I think it when it hit the deer. Or something. No, he said it broke coming out of the bow and oh. the and the fletching hit the deer. Yeah, hit it sideways. Yeah. Hit it sideways because the arrow he broke. Said he, Huh? Maybe inspect it later because he said it, it just was coming in like at a crazy. He angle. said it, it. It was like a close shot, right? Like yeah. seven, yeah. eight, five yards. Yard. Okay. And he, he yeah. said, he, "Yeah, he said he's going to switch to River King." He I said, said he could have tackled it. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> he said huh. he was going to switch to River <laughs> King. <Should've just laughs> I told him it like a kettlebell. He's awesome. <laughs> I, 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 I told him the he should probably just <laughs> stick to those Sherwood shafts since oh, he, yeah. he's already I think got he, one. He had that arrow with him, the the, the, mis- the mystery the, arrow. The boomerang arrow? Through, yeah, the yeah. boomerang arrow. Yeah, he told that story on episode 30. That was yeah. that was something else. I'm still trying to wrap my head You don't need that. Bluetooth knocks in these Sherwoods. They just come right, yeah, yeah. Just come right back to you. <laughs> well, from my experience, yeah, you, you don't need them. They just uh, pile animals right up yeah, right in front of you. Yeah, you've had some luck. <laughs> Putting animals down fast this year. Yeah, they just uh, they just die right in front of you with a Sherwood shaft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think all four animals in, in mm-hmm. camp were taken with those yeah. shafts. So uh, um, Carson Brown here, he's 
does the echo archery thing, uh, self bows. Uh, I think he'll build you a bow if you want. You can come take his class. He's shaking, <laughs> shaking his, his head. head. <laughs> no. He's like, no, no, I'm not building no bows for you. Uh-uh. Nah, uh-uh. uh-uh. No. Don't I'll teach you how anymore. to make your own bow. There's a reason it's called a self bow. Self bow. Right. See, I disagree. We had this discussion just <laughs> yeah, a little we were bit ago about that. And uh, I mean, I'm thinking. I, I was cooking some some uh, some yeah, black tail so uh, back straps on the for dinner there. Yeah. So in every and, and Bob looks over at me and he says. Now, in, 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 you know, in the Native Americans, he's like, do you think they all built he those? He said Indians. Indians, yeah, we can say Indians. My <laughs> wife's <laughs> Indian, I'm part Indian, I can say Indian. Okay, so he says, do you think all these Indians built those? And I said, no, I don't think so. I think they were just a select few. Yeah. And he goes, see, I, Carson They had a guy a like Carson in, in the camp <laughs> in the, that built both. Every Indian probably didn't. Build a bow. Yeah, and all not you had to pay him was a couple player. horses, a couple horses, and a good squad, and you get a bow. I know it's looked down upon. <laughs> so it's not a self bow. It's a, it's a Carson Carson Brown bow. It's a real bow. That is a real, a real bow. bow. That's a real bow. Yeah. Like even what I yeah. shoot's not a I real don't bow. Know if those no. are verified? And, uh, and I, I, I'm I'm making me anthropolo- see, anthropological. I th- like I said, there's a bow guy. Here. There's a guy that probably worked on the horses. Right. There's like a veterinarian. There's a medicine man. There's and all those things. Hey, I'm building a, a, a self-bow right now, and I don't know if it's really a self-bow because I've got Carson standing over my back <laughs> yeah. telling me how to yeah. do it. And I'm like, well, Carson, can you show me how to get the script to work for me? It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an assisted self-bow. Yeah. It's assisted. It's assisted. I don't mind helping. Yeah. But I've had some people in the class who are like, don't touch my bow. This is my bow. You know, you yeah. can tell me how to no, do it. I mean, do I'm not do, lay I'm, your hands on yeah. my bow. I'm doing <laughs> I the like bulk. That, I'm doing the bulk, but I, I, I need, a, I need a, uh, a, a, little, a little help uh, here and there. So It was mind. fun uh, helping you shape up that See, handle how you wanted. You're like, can, can you take a little more off right there? <laughs> just a little deeper right <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, because the grip uh, is pretty important. Yeah. See, I disagree. I don't think a self-bow needs to be built by yourself no <laughs> no I think it, that's it doesn't look down it upon doesn't. a primitive archer i don't think it should be you no you take no, it easy it on us Idiot. so we, we decided that uh <laughs> that in 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 this uh tribe that carson was the bow builder and yeah and exactly. you were gonna stay uh in camp and make babies yeah i'd be the baby maker <laughs> and, I, and I, I guess that leaves me to bring it home to meet yeah yeah all right okay and then we, we all have a role and wait and then we and we got a fletcher here yeah <laughs> we got, got the arrow guy the yeah, arrow guy, yeah, the bow yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. Addictive archery, Andy Ponce. <laughs> um, so Andy makes some beautiful arrows. Um, that's a you know good transition there. Why don't we uh, d- dive into a little bit about Can wood I arrows? say something about yeah. Andy's arrows? So if you're looking to try wood arrows and you're not ready to build them yourself, um, Andy is an extreme value. His his arrows, he goes through so much extra effort to ensure that your arrows are matched perfectly. It's the reason that uh, he's doing a good thing for wood arrows. They have a bad rap out there as not being he's as making accurate he's as making carbons. He's making pennies an hour doing it. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> get them while you can. I yeah. keep telling him, dude, you and, need and to raise your prices. <laughs> and and so get CD, them. Yeah. Get, yeah. And, yeah. And if you guys don't know, Carson Brown's part owner of Sherwood Shafts and they're uh, out of uh, here in Oregon. They're doing a Doug quality premium Doug fir shaft, and they make a really nice arrow. Um, I'm really impressed. I kind of drug my wait, feet. Wait, wait, wait. We make arrow shaft. Arrow shaft. <laughs> we don't make the arrow. Yeah. They don't Andy. They, they're, they, <laughs> just they're, the the sh- they make the shafts. and <laughs> Making and, the arrow is too much work. And I, uh, <laughs> They make the best shaft out there for Doug fir. They do. And I've, I've looked at a lot of them. I have a lot of other companies that will send me – samples and I, I wanted i wanted to switch to wood arrows a lot sooner 
and I drug my feet on it. I was, you know, hesitant. I actually, I, I went out with this guy. I had a, a friend of mine, and he'd picked up a dozen uh, cedar shafts. And I'm not going to mention the company, but another uh, Oregon-based company pr producing some cedar shafts. And he had a, this back quiver on with a dozen shafts. We went out and shot a... Uh, a uh, 30 animal uh, 3D round, and we he came back with one arrow. I mean, these arrows are just, <laughs> they were just breaking, and I was like, bro, you need to get some real arrows. Like, <laughs> what arrows are not the ticket? Uh, I just, I didn't have any faith after watching him uh, uh, with these poor quality shafts. Just, I mean, uh, they were breaking. That's all too common, I think. Yeah, that, that yeah. yeah, they had a bad, misconception that bad rap, you know. Right. And, and once I, I finally, uh, Went ahead and gave gave the Sherwood shafts because I was hanging out with Andy and I was watching Andy just hitting rocks, you know, at that 3D shoot. We were out up in the snow with wood yeah, shafts. Northwest Mountain R Challenge. This was Mountain Challenge and just launching arrows. 100. He, we, he did a 110-yard shot. On the buffalo. On the buffalo. Yeah, put I was it right say, behind the shoulder. You're saying Andy missed and hit a rock? Yeah, no, yeah. he hit the well, target. Well, I've done that too. <laughs> that wood arrow flew so beautifully. And I started like – I was that was because I made the switch shortly. Mm -hmm. like, yep. A week after that, and I was actually like, "Well, we were I working on arrows. your arrows there." Well, we were uh, gluing on knots. Okay, there. yeah, I had some. Sh I had some Sherwood shafts that yeah. I got from Norm Johnson, and we were putting them together. And I still didn't have faith in them. And I was like, "Hey, Andy, uh, how much are these carbons?" I, I was gonna, because Andy's got a traveling uh, vendor, mm -hmm. uh, addictive archery, and he 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 sells everything you need for fletchings, arrows, quiver. He makes leather goods. He, Everything you need for uh, traditional archery, uh, he's got it. So you, if you guys need anything, look him up. He's online. But I was trying to buy some carbons, and he were like, dude, you got brand new dozen shafts that you've already dipped, fletched. We got the knocks, the points on. Shoot those, bro. And I was like, I don't know if these things are going to last. And you're like, they are going to be great. Yeah. And never. I, I'm so glad I didn't uh, give you that $100 bill for those carbon arrows. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember that buck underneath the uh, chairlift? One of the last shots we were doing on the second day. Yeah. They had this buck <laughs> underneath the chairlift. And we were getting ready to shoot, and you could hear the people up in the chair. Hey, hey watch that. Because we were like, there was three trad guys on the whole mountain. The other one being Matt Starley. He had the recurve. Matt, Star Matt Starley from uh, Rogue, Rogue Wild. Rogue yeah. Wild and uh, uh, you and I, and no, um, Jimmy the Tarps. He yeah, the second day. But he was out shooting. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. So. Anyways, we're sitting there. We're right underneath the chairlift. You hear the guy, hey, watch this guy. Watch this guy. <laughs> James steps up there and just pinwheels his buck right in front of everybody. You're like, oh, he hit it. He hit it. <laughs> he hit it. Like, he hit it. it. <laughs> yeah, those, those stick bow guys can hit targets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I wasn't afraid to lose arrows out there. So we were, you know, that saying, you know, here, hold my beer. I was like, here, watch my arrow. <laughs> we were launching them. Yeah. Stuff. We, that was a fun shoot. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was good, uh, shooting the snow. And that's that was at uh, Hoodoo, and we're going to have the Longbow Safari there. Yep, we just uh, we just confirmed all that. It's going to be at uh, uh, July 7, 8, 9, the weekend after the 4th of yep. July. Uh -huh. We got the North American Longbow Safari that the uh, Traditional Archers of Oregon are going to be hosting this year. Yep, and, and uh, up at Hoodoo. Up at Hoodoo. I know I, got, I seen on uh, Instagram uh, Adam Berman uh, from Alberta. Mm -hmm. He uh, said he's going to try to gather up uh, some of the Canadians. So we expect you out here, Adam. We 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 want to we want <laughs> we expect uh, we expect Canadians. to see you guys uh, down here. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a hoot, especially if the Canucks show up. That'd yeah, be great. Yeah, that's, and a, if, that's if, a fun place for a shoot. Yes, it was is. It three years ago, it was there. Yeah, that, yeah, Man, that we had a blast. Yeah, yeah. so if four, anyone maybe? four is that 2012. It, it, 
No. Yeah. It's 15. Yeah, because if, it was no, in California was in between then. So if anyone's listening, yep. you guys are in the area, um, or you make you, the drive, it's worth it. Right. And you got to pre-register for that one because that, that shoot is, a, it is, you're shooting broadheads at 3D targets. And so we, if you're pre-registered, you're in assigned to a group so you can shoot the whole course and it's it's a safety thing so if you want to shoot the actual safari or the american rounds you need to have uh, pre-registered and be assigned to a group with a guide it's longbows wood arrows broadheads wood arrows and broadheads yep yeah Uh, we are going to have a a uh, course that's open i think it's going to be 10 or 15 targets to shoot your arm to your arm falls off and uh, there'll be a little kids course incorporated in that that you can shoot any time throughout the thing. That will be field points only on that one. So you if you are coming, bring curve or a longbow on that. No longbow only still. It's still, 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 still a okay. longbow. Uh, this the the shoot was started by the Rocky Mountain Longbow Association. So they that's one of the requirements has to be a longbow out there. But uh, uh, and this is how many years the the one we the one or is it 2015. Are you sure? I'm not totally positive. No, I, I could have. Right. Before so it was the, 2015. One, the, the last time it was in the U, it was in Canada last year. Yeah. And then yeah, Vancouver, it was, it, it goes, right. So it, this shoot goes between the United States and Canada and it rotates every year. The, the, the time before that it was in California and Petaluma at Rancho Nobelina. Okay. Um, they had it was the first time it had been in California. And then the time before that it was at Hoodoo. 15, 2015. Yeah. 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 And there was so. talk about it going to maybe Idaho or Montana, but it came back so to our Basically, came back. The, whatever year that was, they had it here last time was the 30th anniversary, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. And yeah. so, so it's, it's been the, going a long time. The There's a lot of tradition in it. I know a lot of guys kind of like, why can't I shoot my recurve or why can't I shoot this? Like, this is the right. longbow safari. Right. There's the, a lot the, of the, the Western States traditional rendezvous was started because we wanted to have a shoot where yeah. recurves got out. Jim yeah. Brackenberry had that idea. And so that, that's when. That got started, but okay. this is this is just for longbows, which is an awesome shoot, also. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. So it, it, yeah. it will be a great time. Uh, I think we've secured the chairlift, so you'll be able to ride the chairlift up to the top and shoot the course down through. Oh, that's and, great! And stuff, and so I'm uh, hoping for no snow. Well, oh, yeah. So July. July. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> we were there in June yeah, for the Northwest Mountain Challenge, there was snow up to our knees. But that was the beginning of the June on the yeah, worst yeah, winter. Yeah. So we've we're had. hoping. Yeah, there's a lot of snow. We're hoping July that won't be as bad, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But either which way, yeah, anyone that uh, can make it, um, it's going to be an awesome time, and we'd love to have you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, us Oregon boys know how to put it yeah. on. Yeah, while we're plugging TAO and stuff, though, yeah. we're having our banquet too, January 27th, yep. yeah. Spirit Mountain. Yeah. Spirit Mountains. We're going to be there. Traditional yeah. Archers of Oregon so, banquet. Yeah, you any got, of you uh, guys. Jim Akinson. Jim Akinson was on episode yeah. uh, three. No, it was like 19 20? Yeah. Either yeah. way, it was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> Go back and listen one. to yeah, it. But awesome. he will be the guest speaker, him and his wife, Holly, and uh, kind of talking about their time they spent. And there's another seminar um, being put on uh, by another guy we've had on the podcast. Penniger. Yeah, yeah Mark Penniger. Yep. And he's going to be talking about some Alaska adventures, and we're going to yeah, be there. Yeah, it's just a low-key day. They do seminars during the day, if you guys that haven't been. And then we have a nice dinner with the – you know, Jim will be speaking, and then yeah. uh, there's an elk calling seminar. Um, there'll be a raffle, and it, and if you guys are listening, I know there's several guys that have touched, reached out to me that are new to the trad community that are here in Oregon and Washington, and are looking for mentors and looking to get involved. Uh, Traditional Archers of Oregon is the place yep. where you're gonna you're gonna meet these uh, you know guys like 
Bob and Andy and Carson and, and, and just an array of great dudes from all age classes. And that and older generation yeah, of like, guys that just yeah, have like, a ton of experience. Yeah, like even Mitch here, he was talking, he's an older guy, and he was like, man, I, I want to do more hunting this year, but I have no one to hunt with. And I'm like, come out to TAO, man. You're going to find someone to hunt with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, go go to the TAO website. It's uh, taooregon.org. And uh, the go to the calendars, and the, they'll have the, the schedule there and yeah. a registration form. Pre-register if you want to come to dinner. If uh, if you want to just come out for the day, we, I think it's a $5 donation. Uh, but you can attend the seminars and, and uh, meet uh, lots of people. It, and, and if you're not in, in, in Oregon, or uh, you guys should be seeking out your state ran traditional archery. Yeah, or if you're in Washington, you come down to ours too. Yeah, yeah. you guys yeah. are all welcome, yeah, but, but I'm saying that I, all I states have All states them. pretty yeah. much yeah. have them. Seek them out, join them, become a member, get be involved. Um, it, it's just a great way to, to uh, interact with your community um, and to support traditional archery. I highly recommend it if you guys uh, haven't done that already. It's I think it's pretty important. And TAO has a history. When it was formed in 1984, it was a few guys who got together. They could see the writing on the wall. Technology was creeping into archery seasons, and they said, "This is kind of this is not looking good for the future of bow hunting seasons. We need to start an organization so that we can have a voice when it comes to you know commission meetings where we talk about setting hunting dates." And, and so that was the original uh, reason behind the formation of TAO and a lot of these state organizations right. for traditional and, bow hunting. And, and just and touching on that uh, on these state organizations. Maybe you're not new and you haven't been active, but maybe you could become a mentor. Maybe you could show up and and meet some of these new guys, young or old, and you might have a lot to offer and you may, may not realize how much that that would help, but it helps huge. And so I, I urge you guys all to you know, get out there and find a mentor or, or show up to these things and help mentor because – um, it, it will grow, the, grow our sport and what we're passionate about. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, do that. I wouldn't be where I'm at now if it weren't for that. I, mean, oh, I, no. I met Dave through the TAO, Dave Dorn, who, who showed me how to make, you know, wood arrows and strings and all that. And oh, stuff. I'm sitting at, I met, met Carson's all, dad all, there and, and all uh, three, all three of you gentlemen, I met through yeah. traditional arches of Oregon. Um, it, it, uh, it was instrumental in, I mean, trad quest wouldn't be going f if it weren't for traditional arches of Oregon period. Yeah. Um, it just w it wouldn't have happened. So yeah, you guys make that happen for sure. Um, so why don't we get back back into the uh, Sherwood shafts? Yeah, and, uh, Squirrel, yeah, we just started. Squirrel yeah, rabbit hole. I just <laughs> thought we might that? bring that yeah. up. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so um, Carson's part owner in Sherwood shafts. Uh, you've uh, kind of inher inherited that in a way. Um, unfortunately, we lost an awesome man in uh, Rourke Brown, uh, Carson's father. And now Carson's kind of taken over that role with, uh, why don't you two go ahead and tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, about 11 years ago is when Sherwood kind of got things really going. Uh, it had been started uh, by, by dad's good uh, high school buddy, Doug Knight, who was making some really nice custom recurves back in the day for a while, longbows. Anyway, he wanted to start an arrow uh, building business, and uh, he... He was the first one, as far as I know, that uh, chose fur as a material for making arrow shafts, and uh, it turned out to be a, a you know, um, top shelf. Uh, so Doug, wood Knight, Doug Knight was the first one that you Oregon know of. traditional arrows. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. He he put that. He was putting this arrow business together, and as far as I know, he was the only one, um, at least 
attempting to manufacture on any sort of a scale, uh, dug for or shafting. Uh, before that is primarily, you know, uh, uh, Porterford cedar predominantly. Mm-hmm. So that started quite a ways back, but uh, the business had changed hands. It kind of got a slow start and um, got put on the shelf for a while. It changed hands a few different times. And anyway, Doug ended up back in it and uh, brought Dad and Bob Marshall in and they got things kicked off. That was about 11 years ago. And, and so I got to watch um, from afar that uh, this little side business that they um, put together, watch it start growing and in, 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 uh, picking up momentum. And it's really neat to see that them build this company simply on uh, uh, their commitment to a quality product. They made no compromises in the quality of their aero shafting. And in doing that, they didn't need to... Um, I think their advertising budget the last ten years has been like three hundred dollars a year just <laughs> just to having a banner on Trad Gang. Yeah, and 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 really the business grew just through word of mouth, um, tra- traditional bow hunters trying these shafts out and talking about them, telling, spreading the word. So that was really neat for me to see. And of course, when I was around and and near home, I would go help, um, whether it's up in the woods going and splitting bolts and hauling this uh, material back to the shop or uh, running flitches on Doug's old. Uh, uh, bandsaw mill we had at his dad's dad's place in jefferson uh, um, i was always helping out and in, in kind of learning the process for a number of years and then uh, and then dad got sick and so i started working more and more um to to fill in for him and uh, ended up uh buying his share of the business right uh before he passed away which we we, we talked about and planned for a while but uh um so yeah, so I've been in there for a year, uh, making shafts alongside Steve and Bob uh, as as a part owner, and uh, it's been really fun having a hand in that, and uh, take a lot of pride in in uh, filling in for Dad. And he he Dad came from a manufacturing background, uh, working at Boise Cascade, making corrugated containers, cardboard boxes. But he was he he, he was well respected there for for keeping things nice, tight, ship a um, little different style than mine, but. But uh, <laughs> but uh. he uh, but he he was uh, he understood manufacturing. He brought that to the table, and so I'm I'm trying to you know continue with uh, kind of um, you know just uh, staying on those machines, keeping them running yeah. smooth, just just but keeping quality those machines. Product. Just yep. yep. And the reason yeah. for the Doug fir, maybe people that aren't from around here, is we have a ton of it. Around here, yeah, it's the most common tree species, yeah. Yeah, in Oregon. and so we're you're able to find the good stuff. Basically, that's why you're able to make such a good shaft. And, and, and yeah, and talked about the cedars. I mean, at one point we had uh, Acme in Southern Oregon, and we had a lot of quality old growth cedar trees that that have come hard to come by now. And and that's not that cedar isn't a great arrow. I wasn't talking bad on on cedar arrows per se. It's just the availability of the quality wood is is hard to come by where the dug fir is uh rapidly uh, abundant here and that that's kind of the idea right yes and no um and you can you can still get high quality uh cedar shafting from a wapiti dan yeah. right uh, you just gotta know where to find it yeah sure. <laughs> yeah it's it's certainly not being sold by the you know hundreds of thousands uh, yeah, a month like produced. it was back yeah. in the heyday of uh, traditional archery yeah. you know bear archery and all that uh, but uh, no, cedar's a great arrow shaft. Um, it's it's uh, in in they were able to manufacture those shafts in a way that like I mean you're I don't know 
trying to adjust for inflation and all that, you're probably into a shaft, you know, today's prices for what, like 30, 40 cents in a shaft. Like if we had more than that with just the excise tax. Well now. Yeah. Yeah. But, but back in the day, I mean, you you could go and buy a match dozen and it's hard to, you know, cause it's 30 years ago. So prices Mm -hmm. are different, but basically you get like some made up arrows, real high quality cedar shafts for like 13 bucks, basically a dollar a finished arrow. And now, you know, 30 years later, we're looking at more like, you know, 10 times that price, 120, $130 match does it for quality series. So it was a different mentality then. You went out and you shot arrows. Who cares if they broke? You were out having fun and shooting. It was like, it's like rifle ammo, you know, you you go and you shoot it up. It's like Um, 22. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then you go get some more arrows and do it again. And and it's changed over time. I think uh, with, you know, um, the modern materials like aluminum and carbon entering the scene and, and being a little bit more durable in some ways. And, uh, so anyway, um, cedar just isn't quite as durable as, uh, as fur, uh, but fur is heavier. You know, some of its ma- uh, durability is, is it's, well, it's related to its mass. And, yeah. And I mean, I can tell you it passed through animals just as good as carbon. And, and I found stumping with them. I was shocked. I mean, they are tough. Mm-hmm. I yeah. broke very few stumping. I mean, very few. They well, you got to get the 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 premium shafts. For yeah, them. and, and, and that's, that's the difference. That's the difference because there's some bad Doug fur hours out there too because they aren't manufactured. Not right. sure what we're not talking about. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, we do have more. We have a hundred gray. We have premium. Yeah, we're not yeah, talking but about that's that. a, that's <laughs> a, that's the difference. And I and I've I've been spending the last couple of days with these guys at Sherwood uh, uh, videotaping and stuff, so I can kind of demonstrate that there on the YouTube channel. But there is a. a you have to take into account the grain structure of those bolts and those trees when you go to manufacture the shafts. Yeah, that's why we do. split them out by because hand. even yeah, and even called the nutrient path. Even their their, their, grade. their hunter grade is better than most uh, right. people's premium grade. I mean, right. they they are not if putting you look out, at the big box archery. Yeah, stores, they're not putting I, out I think any. That's safe to say. Yeah, yeah, they're not putting out a low grade arrow by uh, no. Even in their their uh, their affordable line of, of hunters are still um, right. premiums. I mean, per so. se. And, and, and you're shooting, just to be fair here, you're shooting 80, 85s, 75s. I'm 75-80s. So, so the higher you go in spine, the, the heavier shafts will be, and also the more durable it tends to be. Um, that's what I found, and, and that's one of the reasons I like shooting, you know, yeah. towards the heavier uh, I'm side of the spine s- range if I can play around with point weight to get that. Um, shooting a 75-80 with a uh, 155 Grizzly up front, 4-fletch, four 4-inch, four total weight, 630. Yeah, and uh, they blow right through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you're not to give away your secret trees, but when you look for a tree, maybe just like, are you looking for the big old growth? Are we, you looking for like what's what's the? We're looking to for the, that tree that looks like grade? one giant arrow shaft sticking up <laughs> out of the ground. I mean, I'm serious. So you're it, looking for a straight, perfectly straight, straight, free of limbs. It's had its limbs knocked off by snow over the years, and and it, and uh, it just looks straight. It's real cylindrical. It's real round, not buttressed at all, and and it mm-hmm. just looks like one giant arrow shaft. That's the trees we really drool over. Um, we we work on kind of a salvage sort of a a, a way. Um, you know, we, we do look for the bigger trees, like like you point to uh, old growth. We do look for those, and uh, we're, we're limited. You know, the foresters isn't letting you go in there and knock down any old, big old trees. So <laughs> so we have to wait till they uh, they have a hazard tree um, that's, you know, right next to the road. Looks like it might come down, maybe a broken top or something. And uh, 
so they'll drop it uh, so that it doesn't come down and uh, cause issues, you know, blocking the road during a logging operation that might be happening somewhere else down the road. And, and you'll work with trees freshly down that have fallen on their own sometimes? Uh, yeah, yeah, and windfalls. We work yeah. with windfalls and hazard trees that yeah, have been dropped. So. We were in the state forest, and we seen a tree down, and he was like, hit the brakes. And I'm like, I thought he'd seen, I thought he'd seen a bull or something. <laughs> I hit the brakes, and he jumps out, and I'm like, Whoa, uh, we got some action, and he he's look he's counting rings on some tree, and he's like, ah, oh, no, it's not a good one. And I'm like, yeah, that coast range stuff just grows too fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, oh, he was, so oh, he's looking for terrible. <laughs> do you do more of it in the spring, like after the winter and the blowdowns? You you know, you first ones getting up in the after mountains? after a big storm, we we make some phone calls at, uh, okay. to a few folks in the Forest Service. You know, let us know if you get any uh, nice windfalls. You kind of they kind of know what we look for now and. A lot of times we go up there and look at it. It's like, you know, it just doesn't meet our uh, criteria. It might have grown on a little bit of a slope. So you end up with the the center of the tree essentially isn't in the center. Um, so if you look at a cross cut of it, mm-hmm. instead of looking like a nice perfect bullseye all the way out, it'll, you know, that center will be a little off center. And what that means is you'll have tension, tension wood on one side of the tree, compression wood on the other. And, and it'll, when it's, when that shaft, um, is is uh, molded out of the board it'll take on a little warp that tension and compression will show up so there's a lot of different things uh, that keep us from you know being able to work with just any old tree that falls and down. so is there ever a time when your supply of trees that you're getting isn't meeting your demand of shafts you're putting out I mean, that's there... been the case for the last uh a few years um it's just been it's it's you need uh, to spend more time we season them out for at least hunting. minimum a year. Okay. Uh, sometimes we get a broken top top tree that's that's uh, uh, it, it's already been kind of seasoning on the stand, you know, and so when it's dropped, it's like ready to go. But that's even then we we still season the, season those out, you know, six, seven, eight months. But, okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at trying to put up some more stock because demand seems to be growing, so it's a good deal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're always looking for more trees. You would think it's a little frustrating being in Oregon and not having <laughs> access to these. Uh, the the little businesses aren't as well. Um, you know, the forest right. just has a yeah, hard time working with three old, you know, three guys coming up <laughs> like, hey, you got any of those big yeah, trees that fell down? Gonna, they, they don't, don't want to deal with those. They don't about you, yeah. So, um, we're we're always looking for more sources and, and uh, more yeah. trees. So if you guys haven't tried uh, wood arrows, you know, try try some Sherwood shafts. Give it a try because I feel like I just re-fell in love with traditional archery all over again. Started shooting wood arrows, and it was like I had just made the switch, like I said, all over again. It's just amazing. They're quiet. Um, they're, they're, they fly true. They, they, they're awesome. They, and... If you're not building your own arrows, um, I would recommend if you're just starting and you're going from aluminum or carbon to wood, just call Andy and have him make them. Yeah, because <laughs> Andy. Well, will you get want you, you want to start out with a good arrow. And they have to match your bow. They have uh-huh. to match your bow, Andy. You know they got to be sealed right, and everything's got to be dialed, and then start making your own after that because i right. think a lot of guys is that what you've done bob yeah a lot of guys will start like making their own yeah because he, then they, he like, still gets them for mandy he's making babies <laughs> <laughs> i'm not making arrows so no, so exactly. so he's got to have someone make the arrows <laughs> i and did i did make my own for a short while i killed a nice buck with one i made myself i 
with goose feathers. So that all was like by myself. that one arrow that you mailed yourself. Yeah, I made that a couple one, dozen. But anyway, I left arrows. the lacquer okay. in the dip tube too long. Uh-huh. And by my first dozen and my third dozen, I had like 100 grain difference. And who knows what in the spine. It was a disaster. <laughs> and he's saying that, but I know he's even made some laminate bows. Like he's, yeah, uh, he's, I've he, dabbled in just a little bit of everything. Yeah, and like I said, I figure out. Yeah, he's even made one baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a little bit of that. Yeah. 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 So, so but, yeah. but for real, though, like that way you can start out. It, that would be your easiest transition from it would. carbon and, to wood. And, man, I mean, you you can go with your favorite sports team or match your bow or match your, I mean, this guy, he'll splice them. He'll dice them. He'll oh, – yeah. he, I mean, he does he does it all. I mean, you can you, – you, if you can come up with an idea and tell Andy, he will theme it and put it together and bring it to life. I've, I mean, if you That's check, the fun part. I like it when they when customers come to me, hey, can you try this? Yeah, you check, check them out. Yeah, on, we can. <laughs> here, here, I'm going to try and help Andy out here because I can see him getting a lot of phone calls. And, <laughs> yeah. and here's what you need to do to make life easy for Andy. When you call him up, have these things ready to give him for the information. Um, yeah. On, and, and go yeah. ahead, Andy. What are the what well, are, what's the information That's the whole reason why the, I don't have a spine chart up on my website because if you want some customers, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Because it, uh, and, and that's the whole reason why I got into this, though, is because a traditional bow isn't like compound. You you can't crank up your limbs, move your rest, or change stuff out like that. You have to pay more attention to the arrow well, to make it fit the bow. Well, those fancy metal riser things with the gadgets. Well, yeah, but yeah. and okay. even then, you can you can the ILF bows. I built a bunch of arrows for those too. In fact, I I've owned a couple ILF bows and shot them. You can you you have a little bit more fudge there, but you still have to pay attention to the arrow. You don't have you to can. have those. You can just stick another little piece of leather over your arrow. Right, like right, I do. right, right. You can do that, but uh, um, so that's why I I don't have so, an order form on my website right, so, or a chart. I, so, I want to talk to you. Yeah. So not so, only do I come up with these these color schemes, but right. I can be like. Uh, I got a, a twenty nine and a half inch draw right. or twenty seven inch draw. I'm right. shooting a, a recurve or a longbow or a self bow, and right. I, I'm shooting this. And you, you, I mean, when I started, I told Andy, and he's like, okay, um, uh, three under, okay. Uh, t- you got this draw, okay. Uh, what point weight? I think I'm ordering one nineties, okay. And he's this is the spine you need, and he, he was right on. I yeah. Mean, so, so I need to know your draw length the weight of the bow at that draw length. And we can figure that out if you'll tell me. Most traditional bows are rated at 28 inches of draw. So I need to know what your draw length is on that bow. Um, usually if I know the make of the model, I know enough boyers, I can call them up. Or if I don't, I'll call the boyer up and find out how the shelf is cut. I need to know if it's cut to center, before center, or past, because that affects spine. That affects how the, how the dynamic spine of that arrow String material. Shot, right. And you know string material because a, a fast flight type or a low stretch string will transfer more of the bow's energy to that arrow than a Dacron string. Requiring though. a higher spine. A higher spine. Sure. So so yeah. I got to know that. And then I need to know what point weight you want to shoot because the heavier the point weight, the stiffer I got to make the arrow for it to push that weight out for of paradox. the bow. Yeah, right. for paradox. So. Once I get all that information, I can get you dialed in on your spine close enough to where your final tuning will be a minor adjustment to your brace height or adjusting the thickness of your strike plate. And I mean, maybe putting a toothpick behind there to get it right. to fly right. Right. And stuff. So. And, and you can have them ready in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you do during offer, the summer. <laughs> you do offer uh, carbons and aluminums. I- yeah, if, I, if guys I offer. Want, want I, I offer them all because, and you'll see me. 
you know, during the spring and summer 3D shoots, I'll have some Carbonaros with me because I want to test all of the, the products that are that I carry. Right. And so I can have some firsthand knowledge of what uh, I'm talking about and what, yeah. what I'm selling you. So uh, and that, that was an eye opener for me at uh, the sh- one of the shoots where you had some uh, micro diameter carbons. Mm-hmm. You had some uh, 516 carbons, some 932nd carbons. You yep. had some wood arrows and you were just launching arrows. And I was watching. I was like, well, those wood arrows are shooting just as good. I mean, you were putting grips because you had them all di- dialed to your bow, right? And I was like, "Andy's a good shot." Yeah, and Andy's a good shot. <laughs> but, but I was like, I, I, you know, kept trying to think, oh, well, you're you're taking a step back when you're when you're or you're, you're handicapping yourself with the wood arrow. That is not the case. No, I think I can tune a person in better with a wood arrow than I can with a car. Yeah, because there's too many. There's too big of a jump in spine. So, for instance, a, a 500. Spine carbon is equivalent to 53 pounds of, of spine uh, of w- measured on the wood spine Yeah, I'm scale. glad you brought this up. Yeah. And then you go to a 400, and that's 68, I think, or I've got it written down at right. home. There's a big jump in there. There's like three spine groups. So the only way you can make up those spine groups is by shooting a longer or shorter arrow. You can adjust the length, or you can adjust the point weight on a carbon arrow. Right, so where on a wood so arrow, I can tail taper you. I can, you know, I can reduce that mass and, on the back. And you've got wait, 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 length and all that. I can. <laughs> How am I going to get thirty-two percent FOC on my well, wood yeah. arrows? <laughs> I can't there kill is, anything. There is that uh, FOC is a good thing. Uh, it does help the arrow, uh, and and it makes it forgiving, but. I'm not 100% sold on the extreme FOC. I, animals have been shot with just a regular wood arrow and a 125 green tip for years and years well, and years absolutely. successfully. Look, Bob's, Bob's bull this last year, he got a complete pass-through on his bow. And, and and I, I was a big FOC guy, and right. I see a lot of merit in it. I've built up arrows in the 30 mm. FOC mm. range. So have I. I've, and, I've played with all that. Yeah, and they're, yeah. Aw- and th- and they're awesome. Um, and I still like I, – I, I think that um, – Mass weight is the most important. Yes. Being in the in that six hundred yes. to six fifty range, yes. preferably even that six twenty five to six sixty range, I think has a lot of merit. Momentum yep. is king, and and I do like uh, t- to run a one sixty one ninety head uh, on yep. front of my shaft, um, and, and and that's and, why. And, and I think that's just because you get a little more meat in that broadhead. I mean, when you have a 190 yep. gram broadhead, it's a little thicker, it's a little They will well thicken built. the blades up because usually they'll use the same yeah. furl. And, th- and that's why I carry all that stuff because I do have customers that still want to shoot the carbon arrows. And in order to get them up into those weights, they have to shoot that real heavy but, head. But understand this, so wood arrows recover fast. I mean, oh, yeah. they tune really easy and they recover really fast. I don't know, you know, I'm... Uh, on the push podcast, they had, um, Byron, oh, Byron Ferguson. Ferguson and, and he'd made a comment about, um, uh, he, he liked his heavy carbons, but, a, uh, uh, wood arrows are hard to beat because they, uh, they have such a fast recovery rate. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that really kind of, I, I listened to that and I was like, that makes a lot of sense, you know, cause I, I shoot from all distances, even mm-hmm. from three or four feet, you know, I'm always shooting from every where in my yard, even from point blank and man wood arrows come out so nice right of the bow and, and they fly so true see and that that's really where i think they got a bad name is folks were 
you know, they would go to a big box store. Somebody would like, well, you got a 55-pound bow. You need 50-55s to right. yeah. shoot or 55 yeah. 60. And, and, and there's so many other variables there. So And you, that's you what know. you were saying. With the carbons, you got three or four spines where in the wood arrows you've got You've got 40, them all. Yeah, you've got yeah. them all. 40, <laughs> 40 45s, 45 50s, 55 right. 6, uh, going all the way up to uh, 100, 105s. I mean, you've got every spine class, so you can really figure out what spine you need right. and dial it right in. Right. And, right. I, and I can help you find all that. So if you have no idea, you've never never shot a wood arrow and you want to try it out, give me a call. I can help you find the right spine. In, I've got wood test arrows for five yeah. bucks. You can take and try it out. And, and he's and open 24 hours a day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, if, and if you're... If you're uh, if that's not your thing, you know, if you're you're not busy making babies like Bob, <laughs> <laughs> um, I make I, I've I've been making One my own arrows. Uh, even when I shot a compound bow, I bought my first dozen with with the compound bow, and then I bought a, a couple bits and burgers, and and I've been making my own arrows from the gate. And so the idea of having as as beautiful as Andy's arrows are, and mine are not, um, but I just can't find myself to do it i i gotta build my own arrows but i can help you get there that's what i'm bringing up <laughs> that's what i'm bringing up so uh I, I call up andy and i'm like okay i need some knocks i need some glue i i need some um some sealant mm-hmm. um i need some feathers he's got all that stuff for you. you can all be shipped to you um you can get your sherwood shafts through andy you can get them right from carson but you can also get them right through yeah. andy and andy's even got a youtube video that'll walk you through it yeah, I, um, I've got a series going right now, a comprehensive series on how I make my wood arrows and trying to help people out that want to try to make their own and have them come out with a good quality arrow that they can shoot and be proud of and try to uh, break the myth or the, the the idea that wood arrows are garbage and, and, if and you're gonna shoot s- well. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're going to spend a little money with Andy like I did, he, he might even take a couple obnoxious phone calls like, Andy, <laughs> now... What do I, how long do I dip? How many times do I dip them? How do I hang them? What do I do? Um, Is this why you put the videos together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's like, dude, I already told you all this already. Uh, go to the YouTube. And I'm like, okay, I got to go to YouTube. You need to do a YouTube yeah. video on bow making. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, moral of the story, there's no reason for you guys not to give this a try. Um, build your own arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Even if it's not wood arrows at first. I think it's awesome, and if you uh, are preoccupied, uh, addictive archery—they've got you covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely help you out with that. Yeah, and for sure. Keep so an eye on the channel. We're going to be doing a lot of—I uh, uh, got a wood or a uh, arrow tuning video coming out after my wood arrow series. I already kind of got it outlined and stuff, and so I'll be shooting on that. And, and you're going to put uh, this on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, okay. uh, yeah, I, I think my battery died, so there'll be a little bit missing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are filming this uh, this podcast to put up on the on the YouTube channel. And, and so what's the mistakes, like what's the biggest mistake guys make when they do go to make their uh, their own arrows? I mean, maybe I get an answer from both of you guys. Like, where, where are guys going wrong? They're not buying Sherwood Shafts. Well, th- th- that's <laughs> there's cu- there's a couple big <laughs> ones. One, not buying the right spine, not having enough guidance to to buy the right spine. Because I don't I don't care what you do if you're too stiff or too weak, you're not gonna be able to recover from that. And second is not buying a good arrow shaft, and that's one of the first things. My in fact, my very first episode on there is the quality of shafts that you buy. You start out with a mediocre shaft, you can dress it up. It's like putting lipstick on a pig. It's still gonna be a mediocre arrow. You got to get the right spine. You got to get a really good quality shaft with grain. And you so, know, the grain running when you're talking about through. a bad arrow, like what would a bad arrow 
do compared to a good crooked so it'll be crooked yep and it'll be because of the green run out you look at it and you'll eyeball it and you'll see and it'll be hard to straighten out all of my arrows if i can't straighten them with my hand i don't want them in your quiver so if if i can't hand straighten them i won't use them i'll reject because i've shot some not so good ones before and i swear they were straight Right. And then I pull back or something. I shoot it once, and then I, and I pull back the next time, and it's like, right. oh crap! No wonder I shot way to the left. Right. So know? see with your with your Portoford cedar and your Doug fir, you can hand straighten all those. When you get into some of the harder but shafts, they, your but ash the good your shafts, just to clear it up, they won't do that. Like no. I shoot my, I don't straighten my wood arrows unless I like hit a tree. You know, it's right. kind of like the back in the aluminum days. You know, like right. those come from Andy. Already all <laughs> massaged with his own two hands, it, and, 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 and I don't have to worry about that unless I bend them. You it, know, like. And if you had any respect for Andy, you would ask him to build your arrows not like a week before hunting season. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, there, there is that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, I didn't need them. I only used two arrows this yeah, year. Exactly, like, so. exactly. He called me in a panic. He was. Uh, oh, what were you down to? Twenty-two arrows? You just no, <laughs> I, had, I had like, I had like eight. Or nine, yeah. and I'm and, like, and this goes for everyone. Yeah, like, Andy, I do a lot of stump shooting. Andy so. wants to make you some good arrows, but get them built in the summer or in the spring, or yeah. like, don't but call them right before elk season. Say that the, right uh, before stuff. I mean, this guy wants to go elk hunting too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do shut down for elk season, and this year I overpromised on Christmas and kind of cost me some some blacktail season because I knew I was going to go to whitetail camp. But uh, yeah, next year I'm probably going to shut down most of November, maybe even December. We'll see what happens, but. Uh, Get, getting back to the shafts, it, you, you need a good quality arrow shaft. You can make an arrow out of a dowel from your local hardware store if you want to practice just with the process. But And it, and it goes back to what Carson was saying, the, the steps that they take in finding the right wood. And then as they go through the manufacturing process, taking the time to make sure that uh, when they're splitting it, when they're cutting it, they're following the grain lines and stuff. So you get a good grain structure throughout the entire shaft. And, and I like the 11 seconds tapered to 5 sixteenths with the 10 inch tail taper on the right, rear. Right. Um, I think that, you know, bumps you up a point on FOC. And I like that small 5 sixteenths knock. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I'm, uh, I really like that bear paw knock. Yep. Yep. Um, so the bear paw knocks has a has a little bit smaller throat on there. So for the guys that are shooting ca uh, carbons now, a bear paw knock will fit better on that string. Sure. Where if you go to a, a bonding classic or something, it has a little bit bigger throat, um, and so they fit loose. So yeah. I, again, if I talk to you and I kind of find out what you're doing, I can set you up the right way there. Right. Way, right. Uh, and, but and, uh, and you know, my favorite is the twenty three sixty four. It's a little bit thicker shaft that I tail taper down to five sixteenths. I think they're a little more durable and you carry more mass in the middle. Okay. And stuff, and I, I can tip taper the front. You can um, get some higher spines more yep. reliably out of that diameter too. Yep. So I can I can tip taper the front now, go eleven thirty seconds. They don't still make those though, right? Like that's uh, like, we're 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 I'm trying to convince them to them again. We used to have them on the shelf, but we, what would happen is we'd end up sanding them down to eleven thirty seconds to fill inventory there. But the we're starting to shaft get more fat folks. Came, came yeah, in. yeah, yeah, and we're getting more folks asking for twenty threes, and so we're it's. It's actually less work for us. It's it's one less pass on the sander, so we're going to start carrying those on the shelf again. Yeah, and I played with the super skinny carbons, and I know there's some guys that swear by them, but I, as long as your arrow is slightly uh, is no larger than the ferrule of your broadhead. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's key. Yeah, uh, that's, that's key. Uh, you, you're going to get and, dirt. And you're going to get dirt on the other side. Well, I mean, that's I'm, the other thing about tapered is is having that that last little tail taper helps that fletching get through if you're after a pass through yeah on a parallel shaft and, you, and, you and can hang up well, on that I mean, fletching. And, I've never and having the proper spine having arrows that that fly straight and come out of paradox oh, fast yeah. you're not gonna lose e energy uh flopping eagles around. pass yeah. through us yeah yeah for sure yeah 
Well, uh, any uh, you were we were talking about arrow making and kind of advice for people who are yeah wanting to tackle it. I'd just say um, Andy's got some good resources on what to put on your. Arrow. I think a big hang up for folks is what do I seal this shaft with, and what do I use to glue on my feathers? What do I use to glue on my knock? What do I use to glue on my point? Uh, you want to make sure the the key thing is that your fletching cement is compatible with your finish, right. and and also your knock cement. You can typically use the same yep. knock glue as you do for your, your feathers. But and there's a lot of ways to, to there's get a lot of different it. recipes yeah. out there. You yeah. just want to make sure that they're compatible. There, there's Test oil, it. oil base and water base, right. and there's guys yeah. that are spraying. Like I said, and that's, dipping that's real and complicated. And just call Andy. <laughs> 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 Nothing worse than shooting your arrow, fighting, seeing all your feathers fall off. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and you know, you know, and you can go onto the forums and stuff, and mm-hmm. I mean, y- we've got guys here at this table that like uh, three five and a halfs, um, you know, four fours, four fives. I mean, it all the works. Full chicken, the full yeah. the full chicken and turkey on the rear end, banana cut, shield cuts. I mean, it it all works. I'm I'm using uh, four four shields right now, and I'm going to switch to parabolics. I've tr- traditionally always used parabolics. I think they're quieter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're they quiet. are. Yeah. I, I've taken shield cuts, shot them, and then they uh, look cool. Oh yeah, they look shield really cuts cool. classy. But but parabolics are, are quieter, and I think they're a little more durable. That cut on them for some reason, um, my experience, or maybe that's they get beat up or something. Yeah, I just it's it's the stiffer that that you back, guys should do arrow. a YouTube video and put the camera down and do one with shields and right. parabolic and see which one. See for one which one's louder and whether they hear it coming or they're seeing it coming. Well, after that's the discussion we had in camp, that's that I got that one planned. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get know. a uh, – I forgot what the term of it, but it measures sound. Yeah. And I'm going to stick a microphone yes. out there, set it out there at about 15 yards, it's been get done. back from 10 and shoot it. Yeah. It's, it's been, been done. done, but I want to test that, and I'm uh, getting a chronograph, and I'm going to test the difference between a four-inch four, four, four inch fletch and a three – yeah. Five inch fletch and do all that, so I, I think can have all this number there, so guys can see. That's Compare a big noise of aluminum, uh, carbon, and a wood. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that'd be the thing. To yeah. do Aluminums yeah. just have that sing. There's like a, through yeah. the air. Is well, what I've noticed on the forums on Trad Gang Leatherwall, like everyone wants to know about wood arrows. Hmm. Everybody wants to know about three fletch and four fletch. Um, and I go back and forth. It doesn't seem yeah. that important. And then no, the other, the other hot under. one is is three under and split finger. Yeah, and yeah, I, that's one. That's we've got two split. You you guys shoot split. Split. Yeah, and shoot the right three way. Under. Three under. So yeah. we're right across the, the yeah. right, right. I right. shoot the more accurate way. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we got we got a couple studs like on this side of the my, table. Uh, I can't let go of my knock. I like to have. I, it yeah, fingers. I gotta have my knock. I'd pull back there. and I'd my fingers pull and it'd fly off and I'm like, what the hell? So yeah. it, it all works. Yeah, right? it it yeah. all works. It all works. It all works. Yeah, and, and there's not one that is better it. than the other. You just have to figure out what works for you, and then I think consistency is the is the key to traditional archery. Yeah, consistency in your form, consistency in your having a quality arrow shaft that is consistent in mm. grains per inch. That's you need consistent. that confidence in your equipment. Yeah. You have to be confident in your equipment. Yeah. And, and you have to have arrows that are matched to your bow to right. develop that confidence yeah, in and your <laughs> equipment. And, and, and I'm you not, have to practice. I'm not trying to slow down the boyer market here, but I, I think that um, there is a mistake made by some of the folks out there, especially some of the new ones with like seven bows and nine bows. I see guys on there like, Oh man, I'm shooting these four bows, trying to figure out which one to take to camp tomorrow. And it's like, 
You should have figured that out a while ago. I know. <laughs> I usually figure it out before the night before, but I'm, I'm that way. I, I can I've be got, that way. Yeah, <laughs> I've got seven or eight bows that I'm we're, shooting all the time. One, I'm <laughs> a one bow guy. I sleep with my bow before season. It's yeah. Yeah, and as soon as I uh, as soon as I decide to shoot a different bow, the other bow gets unstrung. Put I mean, usually gets sold. Like I don't even. I have no emotional attachment to them. I'm like, I'm moving on. You didn't uh, make those bows, though. Yeah, right. I'm just saying <laughs> that yeah, that right. cell phone mine's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah, that's, that's true. That 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 is that's next level shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Next level shit. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something about bows, like they're not important. You could shoot any old bow. You got to get no, the arrow right. No, and I think I, there I, might be something. But to, uh, to you that, know, they uh, say fear the man with one bow. Or I, I just no, I, I yeah, I think you that's spend a, some time with a bow. I mean, I can get I I've been doing this long enough that I can jump to another bow within like a hundred arrows and feel good or whatever but i really think that uh it's important for confidence to uh form a relationship with a bow before season you want and, it so and, deeply and ingrained arrows. that yeah. under pressure yeah. you don't go back to yeah. some yeah. other bow that you shot all summer yeah. and kind of yeah. lose it you know? yeah and, and and yeah and if you're gonna have a, a backup bow have something that's uh the same or similar yeah you know so yeah well you guys got anything else to uh leave the uh we got to talk about the giveaway. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway for our listeners here on the TrackQuest podcast. We're going to call this giveaway uh, Shot Through the Heart. <laughs> and it's gonna uh, we're going to do the giveaway on Valentine's Day, Shot Through the Heart. And you've, so that gives you till February 14th. Uh, when you hear this podcast, we want you to get on to iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And leave us a review. So you need to make sure you're subscribed to the TragQuest podcast. And get on there and give us five stars. <laughs> give yeah. us five stars. Not just any review. Not just any review. We're looking yeah. for a good review. <laughs> leave us a review. And go on to the YouTube, uh, Addictive Archery. You can watch this podcast there and leave a comment. We're going to go through those comments and those reviews. We're going to put those all into a hat. Shake them up. And pull out the lucky winner of the shot through the heart. And someone's going to win. What are they going to win? Tell us what they're going to win, Carson Brown. What are they going to win? What are they going to well, win? Well, uh, Sherwood Shaft's going to donate some shafts to this. So you get to uh, call up Andy Ponce of Addictive Archery and describe to him what your arrow needs are. And we'll select the appropriate shafts. And Andy has... You'll get a custom, custom uh, dozen of uh, Sherwood Premium. Shafts that I will turn into arrows to match your setup, and that that's so for uh, the love of wood arrows. We'll do it on Valentine's Day, and for the love of wood arrows, <laughs> shot through the heart. <laughs> that's right. We uh, will, uh, yeah, we'll draw the name or announce the winner some at, yeah. at that point. We will, we'll draw the name and we'll announce the winner on uh, that. Uh, uh, I guess it'll be four episodes or five episodes from now. Yeah. We will uh, we will announce the uh, winner and we will uh, we then will contact get a hold you. of me. And Andy will build you some custom Sherwood shafts with your, uh, if you want four fletch or three fletch or five inch or parabolics or shields or uh, uh, you want them to look like they came right off the uh, Seattle Seahawks field or. I've done uh, some Seahawks arrows. Yeah, <laughs> or or uh, the Raiders or the Blazers or. Yep. Uh, uh, Green Bay Packers or whatever uh, your flavor is to match your bow, uh, you want it to look like uh, you would or what, whatever it is you want, uh, Andy can do it and uh, just, you know, and also help us with the podcast. 
subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Tell a friend. Check us out on our social media. We're on Facebook. Yeah, Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> That's the other Facebook, one. Uh, I, I think guess. you are on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, yeah. you leave us a like or something. Yep. We don't really yep. know how that yep. works. Yeah. 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 Yeah, check us out on uh, check us out on Instagram. Yep, um, Andy, he's on Instagram and Facebook also. Um, so Addictive Archery, yep. Yep. Echo Carson Archery. Brown, Echo Archery, Sherwood. Hey, hey, check Chaz. out check out Echo Archery on YouTube. I'm doing a new yep. series called uh, Shaft Test Tuesday, where I'm going to be putting wood shafts to the test every Tuesday, shooting stuff up. It's gonna how be did fun. that shaft? He tested one on a piece of marble the other day. Yeah, how did that? Turn out, I didn't well, see So you got to go to YouTube to you see the go, full yeah, clip. Yeah, I'm not giving you a teaser. I just put the little teasers <laughs> yeah. out there yeah. on uh, Facebook, uh, yeah. Facebook and, and Instagram, and, but and it, got, it was fine. And the one I big, shot the, uh, I figured, yeah. the deck, uh, center deck block was yeah. fine. Uh, pop, uh, pop the knockoff on the marble, but uh, yeah. it's fine. Cool. Andy's got videos on there on uh, uh, how to build your shaft, so I think we've got that all covered. Uh, don't forget to tell a friend about the podcast. We're trying to grow the podcast in 2018. Um, you know, we're, we're doing this for you guys. And if you guys have any suggestions, throw them our way. Uh, we, we, we want to, uh, bring whatever to, uh, the forefront that you guys are looking for. We're trying to bring the knowledge and, and we just want to promote traditional archery in a positive light. Um, I'm looking forward to putting my stave back into the stave master and start carving away. I, I carved on this stave till midnight last night, and I've got a couple days worth of work to make this elk killer come to life. <laughs> you got four more hours you can work today. Get yeah. back to work. Get yeah. back to work. So thank, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you guys having on the podcast. Um, keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight. <laughs>